Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome into a new for Jags podcast. I'm Jamal St. Cyr alongside Justin Barney. Justin, the time has come for the Jaguars to make their annual trek across the pond and go to London to take on the Denver Broncos. You're heading over there with them, so that'll be uh, maybe a good luck charm for them. They ended that losing streak, the long losing streak last year in London against the Dolphins, one of Trevor's best final drives to set up Matthew Wright for that final winning field goal. And, you know, it seems like everything clicked last year in London, and We'll see if it can click again this year. I'm not too confident, but had you know if they were playing a different team other than the Broncos, I'd be less confident. But um, the Broncos are a hot mess as well. Yeah, the Broncos have their own sets of issues, and that that's very clear. Um, you know, it should be an interesting week. You know, we're we're not real sure if Russell Wilson's going to be able to go. He he thinks he'll be able to play this weekend. Apparently on the long flight over to London, he claims to have spent four hours of that working out. He said while his teammates were sleeping, he was in the aisle doing high knees. I can't imagine that that does a whole lot to bond you with your teammates because I'm going to tell you, if I'm on a plane and I'm asleep and I look over and see some guy doing high knees in the aisle, we might have a problem. <laughs> and Russ, you know, with his inability to deliver this year, it's really been a bad match and, the good news is that they signed into a lengthy extension before he ever even played a game with them. So they're stuck with Russell Wilson for a while, but that marriage has not been well. Um, Nathaniel Hackett has been a colossal disaster from uh, week one onward with Denver talks about, he may not even make it back from London as uh, as a member of the Broncos. So it's been a disaster really almost uh, and not with the, the carnival light that urban Meyer brought to the team, but just that weekly Nathaniel Hackett watch and how, bad he has been as a head coach with uh, the Broncos and again not the, not the same as Urban Meyer but there were times when we wondered if, if Urban was going to make it home from the road trip uh, still employed there were uh, times when Gus Bradley we asked the same questions about Gus Bradley um, so in Nathaniel Hackett watch you know his, his coaching career is seven games in and he's already being uh, on uh, kind of being on uh, death watch in a sense um, for his future with the team so Jacksonville at least playing a team uh, with worse problems than its own. So that gives me confidence. Hackett was fired once by the Jaguars after one year, and now it seems like it's on the Jaguars to possibly cost him another job. If they go out there and beat him on Sunday, he may not be heading back to Denver. They might just leave him there in London. Uh, so <laughs> he's got a lot to a lot to coach for. Just not, you know, when you trade for Russell Wilson, you think that's the missing ingredient to a strong defense and the, the struggles that they had were pronounced with the quarterback situation. And they, that has not been the case. I mean, Hackett has looked in over his head a lot of the season, just basic game management calls he can't seem to get right. And Jacksonville, to me, and I know we've talked about this time and again on the podcast, in the office, just talking about, how many how much progress there's been with Jacksonville again these two teams two and five records apiece and to me these two teams identical records struggles very pronounced but Jacksonville feels like it's in a totally different category than the Broncos the Broncos are talking about you know rumors about purging their head coach eight games into the season 
Jacksonville, to me, it still feels like the air is pointing upwards. Again, they've been in every game this year. They need to learn how to close. It's the story of the season. Um, James Robinson, they kind of traded him under some disjointed circumstances to me. Um, but it, again, it feels like the teams, the Broncos and Jaguars, trending in two different directions. I think the Jaguars incrementally going upwards, and, and by incrementally, I mean by a millimeter per week, perhaps. Uh, <laughs> and the Broncos, but it feels like the Broncos are just careening out of out of control. Their offense is terrible. Russell Wilson has been uh, almost a running joke out in Denver. So it feels like they're just on two different plateaus. And for whatever reason, Denver can't get – they just can't get right. They cannot get on the same page. And I like the matchup this week. I like the Jaguars in this game. Historically have played decent in London. Um, so I do like their chances this week, again, against the dumpster fire that has become the Broncos. Yeah, you know, uh, there are only two teams in the NFL that have a higher uh, – that have a plus-two turnover differential and don't have winning records. Jaguars and the New England Patriots. Um, the Jaguars, by every advanced metric there is, look like a team that should have more than two wins on the field, but it just hasn't been coming together. Um, you mentioned the, the the James Robinson trade. I think it's time. Let's go ahead and get to that. I know a lot of people really upset about this James Robinson trade, and I get it because here's the problem. J-Rob has been one of the better performers on this roster for over the past few years. Fans kind of started to identify with him. You see a player, you're like, oh, he's going to be here. Let me buy a jersey with J-Rob on the back of it. And the next thing you know, the dude's playing for another team. Like, th that's where the problem comes into lay here. I, I don't, from a football standpoint, don't have as big of an issue with it. But from a from a pure, like, fan perspective, like, at some point, they have to look at this and say, you know what, we got to give fans some players that they can cheer for for more than just two or three years. Like, do we want to sell some jerseys? Like, right now, nobody trusts that any jersey they buy is going to be good for more than just this season. Like, come on. It may, again, it makes sense in a perspective of, you know, fans. I do think fans, and that's the reason why they're fans, they feel connection with the player. J-Rob has been a, you know, a bright spot in three just awful years or two and a half terrible years. Uh, he was a great story, kind of a blue-collar guy, undrafted, 1,000-yard season, one of the best undrafted free agent signings in league history in terms of production. Uh, so just a great story. And then he, you know, he blows his Achilles out last year. He comes back. And, you know, the drama last year with Urban Meyer kind of, you know, is James benched? Is he in the doghouse? Is he good or is he bad? I mean, there was just some drama last year and it kind of did not endear the fans to the coaching staff. And then a, a new staff this year, James work him, works himself back. He's kind of an, a known quantity um, he, he's just a guy that a lot of people can identify with hard worker and you ship him off, you know, just hours after saying he's still part of the offense, still part of the plan. So I think a lot of fans, uh, just qualms about this are Doug Peterson wasn't honest when he, when he addressed that the other day and said, he's still part of the plans. He's still part of this. They, you know, the, the losing streak. And again, if they dealt James Robinson and this was a, a five and two team, a six and one team right now, and they dealt him and they're on the upward trajectory. That's a different thing. Travis right. Etienne showed he can play, but I do think there's probably a little mistrust amongst fans. And, oh, we're taking another guy that we like and, and we're shipping him off or not being honest about it. And, you know, he, he was kind of almost personified a hardworking Jaguars team that did not have that success on the field, but had that success uh, from James Robinson. So, Let's, I mean, he, he was never going to be the guy as much as people like the storyline. 
Yep, Trey, you drafted Travis Etienne for a reason. James Robinson's a straight-ahead runner. He's in the grand scheme of things. You can find a James Robinson. I mean, they found him undrafted. So that's right. what they – the Jaguars view it as, again, you're building for the future. James Robinson's not going to be a part of your future. He's going to cost X amount of dollars to re-sign in 10 games from now. So the Jaguars made a business decision, and you, you can't fault them for that. But I do think fans get a little – uh, attached to players and upset when they feel misled um, with the Urban Meyer thing on James Robinson last year, maybe Doug Peterson misleading a little bit the other day with his comments. So I get it. But from a football perspective, what do you, I mean, tra this is Travis Etienne's job right now. This he yes. is, he's the hot hand. He is the future at that position. Um, well, he may not be there yet. And he's coming off a great game, career game. So James wasn't going to be the guy, whether that, uh, was was this week or at the end of the season. So he was not going to be resigned to a big contract um, to be Travis Etienne's backup. Just wasn't going to happen. No, it, it wasn't going to happen. He was going to end up walking. Uh, they just drafted Snoop Connor, who, you know, ultimately is, is probably going to was going to be the replacement in that that power back kind of rotation for next season anyway. He's he the same player as James Robinson. He's that same plotting style of player. And James right. has produced. But, again, he's coming off a torn Achilles. You can make the case that he's, he's lost a step. Um, but, yeah, again, I, you drafted Snoop Connor for a reason. We saw in the preseason that he's going to be that James Robinson-type runner, not right. uh, not a role in that offense for uh, for two of those guys. You need a home run back like ETN, and, and that's what they're doing. And J-Rob can find a home and have a long career in the NFL if he finds his way into the right offense. If he's in an offense that has home run hitters at wide receiver, he's fine. Because that's an offense that can use him and take those those singles, and he'll hit a double every once in a while. But this offense doesn't have any home run hitters at wide receiver, really. I mean, Christian Kirk, I wouldn't characterize him as a home run hitter. Like, best case scenario, Kirk gets you a triple. You know what I mean? So you don't need a bunch of singles and doubles. Travis Etienne is the only legitimate home run hitting threat on this roster, and that's why they you've seen him usurp James Robinson is that top running back. They need him on the field because when you look at it, if you say, all right, I'm the defensive coordinator, I'm game planning for this Jaguars offense, and you're like, who is it that I need to worry about taking it 90 yards for a touchdown? And you're like, Christian Kirk, nah, Marv ain't that guy. Zay's not that. Evan Ingram not going to do it. Dan Arnold not going to do it. James Robinson's not going to do it. The only one that you land on is, okay, well, Travis Etienne's a threat that if he sees some space, all of a sudden he might take it the distance. And this so goes back to this goes back to something we've hit on. And yeah, I remember you mentioned it very boldly last year, about three games into the season. Who scares you on this team? Nobody. And that's even after an offseason of of spending, you know, to the to the cap, um, you know, to getting Travis Etienne back. We didn't know what he was going to be. Even Christian Kirk, you know, when they signed him, he was not that guy. He was not that alpha who you said, oh my gosh, we got to bracket him and and there's no way we can give up a 80 yard touchdown to him he's not dk metcalf he's not no. a guy a home run guy and again he's that you know that double hitter and that's again you've got to have those guys you gotta have singles and doubles hitters but you need the guy who can get up like aaron judge and you know he's gonna put it over the wall and jacksonville just does not have enough of those guys he's in the draft next year for jacksonville to get he may be a free agent for for jacksonville to get next year but he's not on that roster this year the problem is those home run hitters aren't normally free agents. They're hard to get, and you have to get them in the draft, and you have to hit on those draft picks that can turn into those players. 
and they don't have that guy. I mean, think about it. We don't have to look far. Last week when they played against the Giants, everyone said all week, stop 26, stop Saquon Barkley. If, if you don't stop Saquon, he will run all over us. So then they geared up, they stopped Saquon, and what'd that do? That opened up Daniel Jones with all this space that he runs for over 100 yards because everyone was geared up to stop 26. When you play against the Jaguars, nobody looks at it and goes, man, we really got to gear up to stop James Robinson. Like, nobody said that. James is a good player. He might make you pay a little bit, but he's not that kind of guy that's just going to put the game on his back like Derrick Henry and carry you home. And they don't have that wide that wide receiver. They don't have a tight end. Everyone wants Trevor to be that guy, that quarterback, that teams have to worry about dissecting them and picking them apart. And maybe one day, but he's not there yet. So ultimately, right now, you look at this team, and we said it before the season, and I still say it now. Press and Doug are having to scheme up everything. Everything is about looks. We're trying to create these matchups. We got to get, we have to find a way to outcoach the other team in order to put our offense in a chance, a, a, a place where they can find a way to be successful. I mean, you don't have to look any further than that last play of the game against the Giants. Essentially, they're running a rug route 20 yards down the field using Marvin Jones to try and pick off the other DBs so that way Christian Kirk can make this catch and hopefully find us a, a space to squeeze into the end zone. That wasn't like, I mean, if you got DeAndre Hopkins on the outside, you're like, all right, we're, we need to scheme a way to get him one-on-one, and then we're going to let D-Hop go do his thing. You can't do that with Christian Kirk because he's a good receiver. He'll create space. He's going to make the plays that are there, but he's not a guy that if you see him one-on-one -on, -one on the outside, you're like, oh, I got him. You could do that him. with Jimmy Smith. You could do that with Jimmy Smith and, and the Jaguars. You could do Who's that a game with Jimmy breaker. Smith. That's you Fred could do Miller that with Allen too. Robinson once upon a time right. when he was healthy. You, Right now, they don't have that guy, and those guys are really tough to get, and that's why every time a wide receiver becomes available, fans are like, please go trade for him because everyone can see it. You look at it, and you're like, what, are, what what's going on here? Like At some point, you have to look at what you have in your hand and say, you know what? I mean, are, you're trying to play like the Oakland A's. Like, you know, we're just going to single you around the base. We're going to money ball it. it, and it don't work that way. You got to go get you some home run hitters. You need some at least one threat on that offense, and they Travis Etienne is the one. He's the closest thing to being that true, like, oh, my gosh, he could, you know, take it the distance. If he gets hot, maybe he's the guy that 50 here, 20 there, boom, 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 and can control a game. So uh, this offense, they've got to find a way to get the guy, the guy. Like, and that's the, again, that's – you're you're scheming right now. You're you're coaching. Yes. You're trying to earn your money. And we've seen a lot of those good matchups from them. That you know, Christian Kirk out of the backfield, Jamal Agnew. I mean, they've they've schemed some very creative stuff that has mm -hmm. worked. But the other flip side of that is how many times can you scheme that? How many times you're going to fool a defensive coordinator doing that when you don't have that alpha? Whether it be a a primo running back like a Saquon Barkley, a big time receiver like Devontae Adams, you just don't have matchups on your side here and there. I mean, you've got good role players. I mean, Christian Kirk to me is a is a solid 1B receiver, but you don't have that. You know, if you had a Jameer Chase next to him, okay. Yeah, Jamar yeah. Chase next to him. I mean, yeah, okay. That's that's a matchup you got to worry about. But they you just don't, don't have that. They don't have that. I mean, you can think about the Commanders game where Terry McLaurin makes that makes that catch late in the game one-on-one. -on -one. Carson Wentz just says, my guy's going to go beat your guy. 
and he throws it up. Jahan Dotson in the, the commander's game makes that crazy catch in the end zone. One-on-one, -on -one, my guy's going to go beat your guy. In the Colts game, Alec Pierce, that touchdown at the end, one-on-one, -on -one, my guy's going to go beat your guy. If you see one-on-one -on -one and you say, all right, Christian Kirk's on the outside, Marvin's on the outside, Zay Jones is on the outside, any of them are one-on-one -on -one with the corner, how confident do you say looking at that as, as a quarterback? Like if you're, if you're the guy making pulling the trigger, do you look at any of those guys one-on-one -on -one and say, oh, I got this, my guy's going to go beat your guy? No, not at all. I think I think it's a toss up on on those three guys. I think it's probably a, a percentage game on each of those three guys. You say, OK, I got a 27 percent chance here, a 29 here and a 31 here. And that's how I'm going to do it. Where Mark Brunell was looking at Jimmy Smith and said, I got Keenan on one side. I got Jimmy on the other. I know Jimmy's going to catch this ball 80 percent of the time. I'm going to throw him up. He's got two guys on him. He's going to win it anyway. There you so go. you just do not have that. And it, it would again. Christian Kirk, to me, is a Keenan McCardle type of player where you put somebody opposite him and he is going to deliver. I mean, he's going to be that guy who's a thousand yard receiver just because, a, you know, Jimmy Smith is there catching catching fifteen hundred yards of ball. So right. you just don't have that. And I think to unlock Christian Kirk's potential, you've got to have somebody opposite him. And, and, and again, Zay Jones, very good player. Marvin Jones, good player. But they are what they are at this point. And I think those guys are role pieces, role players. I don't think they're shut down type of players. I don't think they're a Devontae Smith kind of potential, Jamison Williams kind of potential. I just don't think they're there. And I don't think Jacksonville is going to add that until the draft next year. Yeah. They're going to have to slug through the rest of the season. They've kind of made their bed. I think an ideal world, Christian Kirk is your volume guy. He's going he's gonna to catch a bunch of passes underneath, let him work. He can do some stuff in the intermediate range. But you've got to add that deep threat, that guy that can catch four passes and it'd be over 100 yards receiving, that guy that, they, that teams are thinking, oh, we have to cover him over the top because we're worried about what he can do. If they can go and get that guy, that's what changes this offense a little bit. Um, on the other side of the ball, the defense got off to a hot start, but, you know, they've kind of cooled off as of late and, and been giving up some points. Pass rush really not getting it done. Doug Peterson said today teams are just kind of respecting or respecting their D-line so much and using that, like, quick game and hurry-up offense to try and neutralize that. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll say some teams have done that. I don't know if it's necessarily all respect to the D-line or they've seen a weakness in the armor, um, but – you know, they, they're going to have to find a way to adjust. I think Mike Caldwell got off to a hot start, but now he has to, he's having to learn, okay, well, these offenses have seen what I want to do with my guys and the pieces that I have. Now it's up to Mike to show that he can be a top-level defensive coordinator in this league and now adjust and punch back. He has to counterpunch. Got to gotta do it. I mean, it's so, it, it's amazing. We're talking three games into the season. Mike may not make it to the end of the year. Give me the hot coaching guy. He may still, you know, he still may get a look like that in the offseason. But again, you've really kind of been exposed these last few games where teams are able to beat you. And, you know, whether that's injuries or just scheme coming to play, um, you know, rookie abusing Shaquille Griffin in the Colts game to win that ball. You're not having that pass. Rush. I mean, the, the big thing is you have a pass rush in those first four weeks of the season. And now that pass rush has just diminished. People are blocking Josh Allen. Trayvon Walker has become a non-factor. Devin Lloyd, the game's, you know, struggled for him a little bit more in pass coverage and stuff. So it's um, it, it, the rookie wall, I guess, or teams looking and, uh, and finding, as you said, the, the kind of the chink in the armor, what to do. 
And I mean, this is a game of just a blink of an eye. I mean, things just change so quickly. And you're talking the 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 ability to sack a quarterback is comes down to Trayvon Walker getting a shoulder pad put on him and chipped off of his line. I mean, that's how finite these situations are. I mean, they have been so close over these last few games to getting to the quarterback. I mean, Matt Ryan got absolutely obliterated on that third down throw to Alec Pierce. I mean, obliterated. I mean, Josh Allen is a half second too late for that play. So whatever was working in the first few games, find out why it's not working anymore. Find out and, and adjust. I mean, we've seen so many um, alterations of backfield, you know, combinations and stuff like that. I mean, Mike Caldwell has got to figure out where that pass rush went that was so voracious for those first three weeks and get it back on track. Yeah, and, and Matt Ryan, now the Colts' backup quarterback, lost his job to Sam Ellinger, which makes that Jaguars loss to Matt Ryan and the Colts team look a little bit, look even worse, you know. Um, but, you know, I, I think this defense still has the talent to bounce back. The big question, you mentioned Shaquille Griffin getting, you know, burned in the Colts game. He went on injured reserve today. Last week they they made the same made the switch because Shaq missed the game, so they put Trey Herndon as a starter on the outside, kept Darius Williams in the slot. You know we'll have to see if that's what they stick with now that Shaq's done for the year. You know I think they they like what they've seen from Montark Brown. If if the slide continues and things don't get better this season, I wouldn't be surprised if they they got to look at Buster Brown just to to see what they got in him um, because they've, they've liked what they've seen from practice. I mean, they liked him enough to keep him in a, to keep him over, over a, yeah, or a higher draft pick. So kick the tires on him. That's, yeah. I mean, you drafted him for a reason. He had success in the sec, which is a decent conference in college football. Just a decent um, one. So kick the tires on him. I mean, you can't, you can't be worse than like a Chris Claybrooks or something, a developmental guy. I mean, you can't, you can't not, throw Buster Brown out there. I and mean, just like Andre Cisco last year, kick the tires on these guys and see what they're, see what you drafted them for. If they can produce, um, it cannot possibly be worse than um, just not doing anything. I think you've got to, you've got to kick the tires on Buster Brown. You drafted him, put him out there, see what he's got. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if, if they lose this week, if you start seeing some of those guys, I, like I said, I, they've said they like Buster. They like what they've seen from him right now. They're going to give Trey the first crack at it. But, I mean, Trey definitely didn't lock it up last week when he got beat early in the game, but he did rebound and kind of play well the rest of the way. Um, on the other side of the field, that Denver team, um, we mentioned Russell Wilson looks like he's going to play. Uh, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, both pretty good receivers there. Running back Melvin Gordon, they kind of wishy-washy with him right now. That defense is pretty good. Pat Sertain, high compliments from everyone in the Jaguars locker room, including Doug Peterson, who said Sertain the top two corner in the league today. Um, that pass rush, they're one of their better pass rushers, Bradley Chubb, supposedly on the trade block. If the Jaguars lose on Sunday, the, the, the report says that Chubb will be on a new team by Tuesday. So, uh, so it seems like a lot's riding on the outcome of Sunday's game for this Denver Broncos roster, um, which means that they should come in, with, with, you know, kind of motivated. But this Jaguars team haven't lost four straight. They know they got to get a win too. So this one should be an interesting matchup. Um, I kind of like the way it matches up because both teams are on four-game slides. Both teams have really struggled to put up points. I think this is going to be an interesting game. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game probably and probably one that's going to come down to the fourth quarter just like all of the Jaguars games for the most part have. Um, but ah, 
you know, when I, I look at it, I really struggle to say that I think the Jaguars are going to win this one. And I, yeah, I get it. I get it. I mean, you see, we've done, they've done the last four weeks and um, the struggles are absolutely there and pronounced and um, they have issues in the secondary, obviously the receiver issue, the playmaker issues we've covered. Um, but I, I like the progress that I've seen out of Trevor Lawrence the last two weeks. I yeah. like the, I like the Travis Etienne growth as they they officially pass the torch to him. Um, so I do like that. And Denver to me has just been such a bad, a poorly run team. Russell Wilson has been has has to be in the top five of most disappointing trade free agent acquisitions this year. He's been terrible this year and alienated teammates and announcing stupid catchphrases that haven't caught on in Denver. And he's just not. Broncos, let's ride. Broncos, that's right. I mean, come on, give me a break. <laughs> he, so, he ends every press conference with it like, like uh, Coach O, go tag. Like, yeah. like, this is everyone, Broncos, let's ride. Broncos country. And obviously <laughs> it hasn't caught on and people think it's completely stupid. 40. I mean, it, it's, it's almost you're trying to force something that's not there. And the Russell Wilson, Denver Broncos marriage to this point, seven weeks into the season, has seemed very forced and very uh, disjointed and, Again, who's going to outlast two? I mean, Nathaniel Hackett or Russell Wilson? And my money is on Russell Wilson. I mean, he's a he's a franchise quarterback, has not played like one. Um, you need a new coach to kind of unlock that. You, uh, I just there's a lot riding on that, as you mentioned. And I do think Jacksonville, as I'm, I'm going down with a ship. I mean, I'm already probably 30 meters underwater on the ship that's cascading slowly to the ocean floor uh, with the Jaguars. But I will pick them again this week and. Um, just see if they can get something going in that London. I like where Jacksonville's been. I think it's going to be a lower scoring game, but I, I do think Jacksonville will get that win this week. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go with the Broncos just because I'm, I'm scarred at this point. Um, I've been riding with the Jaguars. I'm going Broncos this week. It kind of hurts me to do it, but I just don't. I can't trust it until I see it. Um, we'll see if London can be the spot that ends the streak like it was last year for the Jaguars. Um, that would get them to three and five if they can get a win, which would definitely at least be a step in the right direction. Um, thanks for tuning in for this News for Jags podcast. We'll check in with you next week.